Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. So welcome to SummerSlam. We're, we are, every summer we, we kind of pass the mic around and we, we kind of mix it up a little bit, usually in the month of July. And so today I'm kicking it off and then you're going to be able to hear from some of our staff uh, this month. So we're super pumped about that. All kinds of exciting things leading up to our biggest event that we have every year is called the End of Summer Bash. And so I thought, man, let's just do SummerSlam, you know? And so we're obviously taking up cues uh, from from you know, professional wrestling, which, how does that work in church? Well, we'll, we'll figure it out. And so you're going to just, you're just going to go with it. So we're going to have some fun with it. And we're, like I said, we're not normally a uh, gimmicky. How many of y'all grew up uh, in the, or, or maybe you didn't grow up in the eighties. I grew up in the eighties, but uh, maybe you remember like wrestling, right? How many of y'all remember like the honky tonk man, right? You remember that you million, the million dollar man. Some of y'all old schoolers remember like the, the junkyard dog, right? Do y'all remember they used to have a W there used to be a WWF Saturday morning cartoon that we used to watch that had like Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man and you guys know all the characters right and some of y'all were the next generation where you had like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker and you know all these guys and then now there's like all these guys that don't even know their names who's your favorite wrestler just can you just shout out your Sting Undertaker, do I hear Sting? Sting? Yes, we love Sting. We actually thought about trying to get Sting out this month because I think he lives in the area. And, uh, you know, or he might just drop through the rafters uh, before the end of the day, which would be super awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, when I think of my favorite wrestler, I think of the ultimate warrior. Because, you know, I grew up in the 80s. And, like, if you were in the 80s and you grew up kind of a rocker like I did, then then you liked the Ultimate Warrior, first of all, because he had long hair, right? And it's like if he had long hair, he was awesome. He's kind of like all the bands I listened to. And not only did he have long hair, he actually wore makeup, which is another thing that was common with the bands that I used to listen to in the 80s. And this was, like, in the, the peak of Hulkamania, right, where, where Hogan was like, hey, listen, brother, you know, and then the whole thing. And then the Ultimate Warrior comes out and he's just this like rage animal, right? You guys remember? And he would come out and he just, he just, you know, he was unstoppable and he was, he was kind of freaky and he was kind of scary. I was watching an interview this week where he was on Arsenio Hall and he's like flipping over the couch and, you know, and he's all roided up. You guys know, like, I mean, they're like, they're like fully, you know, and we, we know, we know that wrestling's not real. We know that. And so, but these guys are like incredible athletes. And so, but but the ultimate warrior was like a beast. And I remember when he would, he wouldn't walk out to the ring and be like, I mean, he just ran. It was like intensity 102, right? I mean, he's just like full blast running out. And so one of the things that was awesome about the warrior is that he like, he didn't talk much, right? He kind of growled and he would like talk like an animal. He was, it was really strange. And, uh, you know, he would wear the, the ties on his arm to make his veins pop out more on his arm. So he even looked bigger than he was. And so, one of the things that we loved about him is that he was kind of unstoppable, right? Like nobody could really beat him. But whenever he got like beat down, whenever he was like losing, he would kind of make his way over to the ropes. You guys remember, right? And he would start shaking the ropes, right? And then they would hit him. And you guys know how the wrestling thing is. They'd hit him and he would like get stronger as, with, with every blow. And then he starts doing this thing. And then you guys know, like he goes and he throws him and he 
presses them above his head and he drops them. Then he goes from rope to rope and then he does like a slam, splash slam on them. And then he always wins, right? Because he's the ultimate warrior. He's not just a warrior. He's the ultimate warrior. So he's my favorite wrestler. And when I think of someone in scripture who's kind of like the ultimate warrior, I think of this character we all know, Samson, right? We've got to preach on Samson. If we're talking about professional wrestlers and wild men and strong guys, you've got to talk about Samson. I mean, even, even people that don't know scripture know the story of Samson right? And Samson's story can be found in Judges chapter 14 through 16. Now, I want to encourage you to read the book of Judges, because if you like edgy things, you'll like the book of Judges. Some people are like, that have never read the Bible, they're like, I like to read Revelation. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, people are like, yeah, I'll read Revelation. I'm like, that's not really the best place to start, I'm just telling you. And the second not best place to start would be the book of Judges, because there's all kinds of like crazy, gory stories about these people that God appointed to be judges. There were no kings in the land, but but someone had to be be there to institute justice, and someone had to be there to to make sure things were going right. And so God raised up these people called judges. And one of the judges that God raised up is this guy named Samson. Now, Samson had what's, what, or committed to this thing called a Nazarite vow. Everybody say Nazarite. Nazarite. That sounds pretty awesome, right? It sounds like a denomination or something. And so, so here's this Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite committed to a couple of things. First of all, when he made the commitment, they might shave his head and he would never cut his hair again. Okay. And so this is kind of the, the thing that we know really about Samson. We see the pictures. He's got long hair, like the ultimate warrior, probably had war paint, probably. Um, and then we know that, 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 he, that another thing they did is they wouldn't, drink, they wouldn't drink anything that came from a vine. They wouldn't eat grapes. They wouldn't drink wine, not fermented wine, not Welch's grape juice, nothing. They wouldn't drink anything. And the third thing is they would not, they weren't allowed to be around dead people. And so they couldn't go to funerals, even if their spouse died or their parents, they had this commitment that they made to God. And, and Samson happened to be a Nazarite judge. Now he wasn't squeaky clean. Okay. I mean, he was kind of like the ultimate warrior. He was not very civilized. There's a, there's a, a crazy story and uh, we'll get into the Delilah thing, which you know, well, here in just a moment, but there's a crazy story where he, where God is using him. God is using him to defeat the enemies. Come on. So awesome. And so he, what he does to the Philistines, which hate him, which are the enemies of God's people, the Israelites, is that he catches 300 foxes. He, ca- he catches 300 foxes. I mean, he's got to be pretty nimble, right? I mean, the ultimate warrior running around catching foxes and he ties their tails together, lights their tails on fire and lets them into a city. I mean, how brutal is that, right? I mean, this guy's so savage. He uses the jawbone of a, of a donkey. I don't know if he killed the donkey. Scripture doesn't tell us that. I like to believe at one time he probably did. So he knew where the jawbone was. He takes the jawbone of the donkey and he, and he slays a thousand Philistines, like trained warriors with swords. And he uses the jawbone of a donkey. He tore down the gates of this town called Gaza and carries them, carry, carry the gates of a city on top of a hill. This dude had brute strength. But in Judges chapter 16, it says that he sees this woman named Delilah and he loves her. Oh no. So Delilah, hey there, Delilah, right? And so now Delilah, most scholars believe, and even some translations say that she was a Philistine. She was part of the enemy's camp. 
But he saw her and he wanted her. Mm, there's a lesson right there, right? How many, how many know that sometimes God, even though you might like it, doesn't mean that it's for you? And so now in Scripture, Jesus did tell us to love our enemies, right? And, and, and we should love our enemies, but not like that. The problem is not loving our enemies. The problem, the problem is when we get in bed with our enemies. And so and this was the problem that happened with Samson. And so Delilah, because she's part of the enemy camp and kind of being persuaded by this hunk of a man, <laughs> kind of like somebody else that I know, um, She's approached by some of the Philistine leaders and they said, hey, listen, we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver in exchange for Samson. Now, I, don't, I didn't do the homework this time to look and see how much that was worth, but apparently it's worth a lot of money. And some people believe that Delilah was a prostitute. Scripture doesn't speak to that specifically, but there's kind of alluded there. And so she goes to Samson and she's gonna try to trick him. And so the first thing that she does, she says, she says, well, how do, I, how do I make you weak? And he said, well, my weakness is if you got seven undried bowstrings and you tied them around me, I would not be able to break them. And so this is what she, what she does. She, he's sleeping. She ties him up with these bowstrings. And then she calls the Philistines in and they come in. And then he breaks the bowstrings and he destroys them all. And you would think he would go, hey, this woman deceived me. No, <laughs> right? No, come on. I mean, this is, this is the definition. If you want to know what a toxic relationship looks like, this is it, right? Not the person that made you feel uncomfortable today. We're talking about someone that's actually trying to kill you for money. <laughs> that would be toxic. Uh, th then she attempts, he says, listen, okay, okay, li listen, babe. If you would have taught me with new ropes that have never been used, I wouldn't be able to break them and they would destroy, they would come in. So same thing happens, breaks all the ropes, right? And you would think, all right, two times, you're at, nope, 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 nope. He says, hey, third time, if you tie my hair into a, in, in, up in a weaving loom, nobody would be able to overpower me. It's the strengths of my hair, you know, they, they tied up and sure enough. Here they come, Samson breaks free and destroys again a third wave of the enemy's attack. And then it says this in, in Judges chapter 16, then she told him, how can you say I love you mm -hmm. when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. But I want you to look at verse 16. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. How many of you have ever been there? You've been tired to death. I mean, I would have figured he would have been tired to death after attempt number two. But finally, she wears him down. He's tired to death. That's tired. It's really tired. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head. What's he saying? I'm a Nazarite. And he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. And when Delilah saw that, he told her everything 
when she saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands, having put him to sleep on her lap. What are you doing sleeping in the lap of the enemy? She called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair, dreadlocks. Yeah, that's what, I mean, seven braids, that's what it sounds like to me. And so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Whew. That's a desperate scenario when the Lord has left you. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Interesting, the same place where he tore down the gates. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. Here he is, Samson. Like, as far as we know, like the strongest physical force in the scriptures. Humiliated. Humiliated for those who probably cheered his name. Humiliated before his enemies. They finally got this guy that has killed thousands of their people. Finally, they have him. And he is humiliated. Humiliated before his God. I want to help you today. If you want to stay ahead, <laughs> if you want to stay ahead, there's, I got a couple of points for you. First of all is this, is you got to keep your wits. Samson wasn't too bright. He wasn't too bright. You've got to sharpen your thinking. He was wore down. He was wore down. Delilah had got in his head, right? Had she not? But listen, when we get wore down, we got to dig deep. And some of you, you, you're just, you're wound up. We live in the information age, man. I don't know about you, but I am, I'm wore down from all the things, all the information, all the news, right? All the truths, all the bad news, right? I mean, there's so much bad news every single day. We can't handle it. I'm wore down. But I know that if I'm wore down, I've got to dig deep. I've got to dig deep and I've got to keep my wits. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. I want to encourage you in this, beloved. Don't make permanent decisions during a temporary circumstance. And many times we will make lifetime decisions in one moment of weakness. Listen, you are not at the mercy of the moment. You are at the mercy of the master. Come on. And we have got to stop thinking, I've got to do something to deal with my circumstances so I don't feel this way anymore, so I can work things for my good. No, no, no. Listen, beloved, don't make permanent decisions in temporary circumstances. And can I tell you that most of the time, your circumstance is temporary. Most of the time. Never make lifetime decisions at a low in your life. It's a bad call. It's foolish. Keep your wits. The problem is, is in charismatic circles, which I am, I, I would love to be like, I'm, I'm like on the inside, I feel like, of the charismatic circle. I want in on all the stuff. I want in on the gifts of the spirit. I want in on the wildness. I want in on all of it. I'm in on the dancing. I'm in on the speaking in tongues. I'm in on all of it. 
healing people, seeing people get healed. I'm in on all of it. I want it all. Come on, if God's doing it, I want in on it. But the problem a lot of times in charismatic circles is we kind of take our brain out, right? We, we don't go by the renewal of, of our mind. We go by the removal of our mind, right? And we'll actually tell people, don't think about it. But did you know that that's not scriptural? That Jesus called you to love him with all of your mind, right? And so a lot of times what we do is we, we just kind of put our mind away and we live by emotions. We live by what we feel. Well, I just feel this is my truth. Look, beloved, right now we are seeing on full display when a culture functions by their feelings and not the facts. When our, when our, when our culture fo- functions not on truth, not on logic, not on reason, but on feeling. So let's just cater to everybody's feelings. The problem with this is your feelings are going to change probably tomorrow, maybe in five minutes. If you're like me, my, I can go from an emotional high to an emotional low just like that. And the problem that, we're, that we've been making, and we've seen this cycle, especially I would say over the last four to five years in our nation, is we're catering to the temporary. And because we're catering to the temporary, we're destroying the sustainable. And so, so many times we are, we are just, we're destroying the, the, the foundation of truth because we're saying what's more true is the way I feel. But can I tell you, it might be true that you feel that way, but there is also truth that you, your feelings will likely change. Do not make decisions based upon your gut. Make them based upon your logic and your ability to reason. And beloved, you've got to keep your wits and you've got to sharpen your mind because the thing that Samson couldn't get beyond was that he loved Delilah but I love her. She's deceiving you, but I love her. She's deceiving you. How many times? I think that he was so Twitter pated and so ran by feelings and so ran by emotions. He would have went through this process a hundred times, but eventually she was able to wear him down. Beloved, be sharp in your mind. Don't be wore down. Get in the word of God. Listen, get off Google and get in the word. Get off all the news cycles and get in the word. Get in the Word of God, the unchanging truth of God. Get in it. As I like to say, get into the Word until the Word gets into you. And then when something conflicts with the Word, believe the Word. Because it's been tested for thousands of years. And it's a good Word. Feelings over logic is what we're seeing. And let me suggest this to you. The battle is not physical. Now, it can feel physical, right? You guys know what I'm saying. Like, eventually, it will take a toll on you physically. The mental battle, the spiritual battle will affect the physical. It absolutely will. And we know this. We see this with people's lives. I, I look at people that I grew up with that have, that have lived their lives, that have lived in a rebellion towards God. And whenever I see them, and I haven't seen them in like a decade or two decades, I see them and I look at them and I'm like, they look old. And, they're like, and the response is this, you look so young. What happened? <laughs> Jesus is what happened. Because I, I stopped living in resistance to what God was doing. I gave in to God and I kept short accounts and I've practiced unforgiveness. Come on. And I've lived free that way. That's what's kept me looking young. Hopefully it keeps it stays that way. I mean, the seems like thing is catching up, but but it will wear on you physically. 
But the battle's spiritual. We know this, and we, lo- we love to quote this. But can I tell you today that the battle is also mental? The battle is also here. Yogi Berra has a great quote, quoting all the great philosophers, right? He says this, life is like baseball. It's 90% mental. The other half is physical, right? Somebody didn't catch that. 90% mental. The other half is physical. (laughs) But it's true. We know it's in the mind. And so the ultimate warrior, he had to get his mind right, right? By shaking, by the warriors, right? Calling out to the warrior, whatever. He had to do his the shifting in his brain, and Samson never did that. With 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5, this is the, the famous spiritual warfare verse that we use, right? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. What's he saying? It's not physical. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. Whoa. Arguments. It's talking about literal arguments. Nobody's ever been argued into the kingdom. Yes, they have. Read your Bible. You were argued into the kingdom. You had to be reasoned with to say, that's a good idea. It might not have been intentious, but there was an argument happening. Don't let anybody tell you, nobody's ever argued into the kingdom. Yes, maybe not on Facebook, but most people have been argued into the kingdom. Most people had to be convinced. Do you have a good argument? Not being argumentative. Come on, there's a big difference. I used to be argumentative. Stopped, because it's just too exhausting. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What's it saying? It's saying the battle is spiritual. But check this out. And we take captive every thought. Every thought. So spiritual warfare is not just praying. Listen, Spiritual warfare doesn't just happen on your knees. It also happens in your head. Let me say that again. Spiritual warfare doesn't just happen on your knees. It also happens in your head. You want to destroy some demons? Start thinking differently. You want to have breakthrough in your life? Start thinking differently. By the renewal of your mind, through the washing of the word, get into the word until the word gets into you. That's how you transform your thinking. And our thinking daily, beloved, because we have so much coming at us, so many lies, so many deceptions, so much garbage. We've got to be renewing our mind every single day by the washing of the word. So spiritual warfare doesn't just happen on your knees. It also happens in your head. Keep your wits. Number two, stay awake. Don't get woke, stay awake. We got too many woke people. We need less woke people and more awake people. If you would stay awake, you wouldn't have to get woke. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, be sober. What does that mean? Stay awake. Stay in your right frame of mind. Be vigilant because your adversary, your enemy, the devil walks around like, He's not a roaring lion. Jesus is the roaring lion, but he, he is imitating like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Oh, that me- resistance means this, not doing something you want to do. <laughs> I just want to do everything I feel like doing. Do you see that this is where 
we are at because we have get, we've, there's no resistance. Just kind of go along. Comply, comply, comply. And there is some virtue in some compliance. Resist him, the devil, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering and experienced by your brotherhood in all the world. In other words, you're not alone in this battle. Your, your brothers around the world, they're, they're suffering, they're dying, they're dealing with it too. It's not just in your head that the enemy's attacking, it's also in theirs. So if you snooze, you lose. Don't get woke, stay awake. And listen, I would suggest this to you. This isn't just sin issues. I need to see them, make sure that I'm not sinning. Listen, you also need to be aware of complacency. Because what we do oftentimes, we pray this before service, oftentimes we kind of get into the machine of Christianity. We just jump into this system and we just kind of go in through the motions and we, we leave our heart at the door. And we just start functioning with no heart. And we get complacent. And complacency always leads to compromise. It's just the way it works. Ephesians 4, 27 says this, don't give the devil a foothold. In the Greek, that means just don't give him any space. Don't give him any room. Don't allow anything. If there's, if there's a 1% chance that the devil could hook you in that, don't even play with it. This is what most people that I know do. They ride the line. They go, okay, it's probably not sin. I can't say that 100% certainty but it's probably not. So I'll go ahead and do it. You know what you're doing? You're giving the devil a foothold. And all he has to do is get his foot in the door. He will make a way in. And then the next thing you know, you're not, you're not making little compromises. You're making your big ones. And then, and then three years from now, you're not even in the faith anymore. You see all these like public deconstructions and all this stuff that's happening. You think that that happened overnight? No, it happened at one moment where someone agreed with the devil. One little moment of offense. Oh, just got offended. Oh, I got offended at somebody at church. L listen, little offenses grow into big monsters. The devil is in the details. Come on, he will get in those details. <clears throat> the, the next thing is this, is, is just being aware of your weakness. I think it's obvious that Samson forgot about his weakness because they shaved his head and then he gets up to fight. He forgot. Listen, our strengths don't eliminate our weaknesses. And sometimes we think that. I'm really good over here, so I don't have to be good over there. I'm really good at praying, therefore I don't really need to read my Bible. And we make little statements. We go, I'm more of a word person. Or I'm more of a prayer person. Listen, don't think that just because you're strong that it offsets your weakness. It's still a weakness. Now, I think you need to focus on your strengths, but you always need to be growing your weakness. Or you're going to be like that guy that goes to the gym and just works his upper body, right? Skipping leg day, right? <laughs> right? Now, walks around, looks like he's riding a chicken, right? <laughs> Little skinny leg guy. Right? <laughs> Why? Because he skipped leg day. He was focusing on his strengths, and he never was aware of his weakness. So you make fun of him when he walks out of the gym. Right? Kind of wobbly. Push that guy over. Top heavy. 
And some say, well, I don't really have any weaknesses. Well, then you have the greatest weakness of all, pride. And this is the reality. Even if we're doing all those things to avoid falling asleep in the lap of the enemy, getting defeated, most of us get to places in our life where we get knocked down. Right? We get knocked down but we get up again. Hopefully you get up. Proverbs even says that. He says a righteous man falls six times, but he gets up seven. And so you got to get back up. I love Micah 7, 8. This verse has been so precious to me. And it says this, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will arise. Though I have fallen, I do not, devil, don't gloat over me. Don't think that you've won the war. You might have won a battle, but somebody else won the war. So don't gloat over me. Though I've fallen, though I screwed up, though I got off track, I'm telling you what, I'm about to get on up. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. And it's not about my strength, it's about his. And I'm to the point, and I'm ground down, and I'm wore out, but I'm trusting him. So get on up. It's time for your comeback. You need the ultimate comeback. Just like the warrior had his ultimate comeback. So it says this in Judges 16. Here he is, Samson, beat down. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison where we left off. And it says this in verse 22. But the hair on his head began to grow. And what I love about Samson is even though he forgot about God, God didn't forget about him. And God said, listen, I'm going to allow the commitment that you make begin to grow again. What do we got to do when we're down? First of all, you got to remember whose you are. See, Samson, we see people say this. Samson's strength was in his hair. No, his strength was not in his hair. His hair just represented his commitment. His strength was in his consecration. And he violated that by cutting his hair. When we give in to weakness, we violate our consecration. We say, God, I'm not yours. I'm going to do what I want to do. And consecration just means this. I'm reserved for God. So Samson had a life that reserved was reserved for God. But at that moment, he said, I'm not really reserved for God anymore. And there were a lot of little compromises that led up, and we know this. Remember who you are. Is your life hidden in Christ? Listen, if you're a Christian, you don't, you don't live like everybody else does. You live like Jesus. Your life has been hidden in Christ. What's your identity? How do you identify? In Christ. That's how I identify. <clears throat> I've been born again a second time, born in him. I'm in Christ. He wanted all of it. So he's led in, he's blind, his eyes are gouged out. They're making a mockery of him. They're worshiping this God named Dagon. And he's, they, they say, bring Samson out. We want to we wanna laugh at him. We want to talk about you know, ridicule him, mock him, bring him out, bring him out. They're all drunk. They're blasted. And so they bring Samson out and he's leaning against the wall. And he tells a servant, he said, listen, I'm having a hard time standing up. I'm in a lot of pain here. Would you take me to the pillars of the room so I can lean up against them? And he's like, oh, okay. So he leads him over and he's standing between the pillars. And it says this in verse 28, then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord. 
I don't, listen, I don't know if this was the first time he's prayed in a long time, but all I know is that he did pray. Remember me. Remember me, please God, strengthen me just once more. And he has this moment where he pushes the pillars of this facility out and the building comes crashing down and kills. It says that he killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. And that's a lot. But it all comes down to this strength, Lord. Sovereign Lord. Will you give it back? Will you give me what you gave me before? Remember whose you are. Number two, remember who you are. You're who you are because of whose you are. You're a child of God. First uh, John 5, verse 4. For every child of God defeats the evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. Not necessarily just because you name it, claim it, because you've trusted. And we can win this battle against the world. Who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Who are you? You're a child of God. Even our faith, we can achieve victory even through our faith. By just trusting in Jesus, we win the battle. Did you know that you are a child of God? If you've trusted Jesus, to those that believe in him, to those that received him, he gives them the right, the governmental authority, exousia, to become the children of God. Remember who you are. So remember whose you are. I'm not mine. I've been bought with a price. And remember who you are. I am a child of God. I belong to God. He fights my battles. And number three is this. Remember what he said. So many are living in defeat right now at this time in history. Christians living in defeat right now. Why? Simply because they don't know the word of God. We have a biblically illiterate culture. We know how to Google scriptures. We don't know how to search them on our own. I think it says that. But do you have a relationship with the word of God? This is why I'm, I'm encouraging everybody, get a paper Bible. I'm glad you read it digitally. That's great. But you need to have something that you can write in and circle and scribble through and say, wow, and this verse says that. Search the scriptures and then remember them. You know what David said in Psalm 119? He said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to sin less? Get in the word more. You're struggling with sin? Memorize the word. Romans 8, memorize scriptures just like this. Romans 8, 37, last verse. We are more than conquerors. We are victorious. That word in the Greek is Nikeo. That's where they get the word Nike, right? Overcomers. It's actually hyper Nikeo more than conquerors, not just a conqueror, not just the enemies under my feet, hyper, like big time under my feet, like no room for him to get out. You are hyper Nikeo. You are hyper victorious. You are super victorious. Come on. How's that for you? You're not just getting by. Come on. You're not living off yesterday's man. You are super victorious through him who loved us through Jesus, not on your own. 